0: Stories and meditation, my name's Joel Tilkey. Tonight I present you with Mr. Toad's Adventure. This is a classic story, a great adventure, but one that will put you to sleep and relax you down. Let any thoughts you have just take you deeper into relaxation. Let any noises you hear take you even deeper. I'm going to replay this episode right after the first. If you wake up at any point during the night, just count down from 100 to 1. Let your mind wander. Enjoy, and namaste. Welcome to Sleep Stories. My name is Ruben de la Plata and I am here to guide you gently to sleep with this classic tale, Toad's Adventure, from The Wind in the Willows. Toad's Adventure follows Mr. Toad as he tries to escape from his jail cell where he is being held for borrowing someone's motor car without permission. The jailer's daughter... Takes pity on him, and Toad's great escape begins. And before we begin our story, let's go ahead and get comfortable and cozy and get ourselves ready for a great night's sleep. We're just going to relax and quiet all that noise that can sometimes happen in our head. We are taking time to get our bodies and minds ready for sleep. Start getting comfortable in your bed if you haven't already. Get nice and cozy. Good. And now just take a deep breath in, let it out, and relax, stretching all the way out, feeling that stretch all the way from the top of your head, down to the very tips of your toes. Good. Feeling where your body meets your comfortable bed and go ahead and just take a few moments to feel how good your bed feels. And maybe you are already starting to get sleepy, to feel your eyelids growing heavier and heavier. And it feels so good to just keep them closed and listen to the sound of my voice. Good. Let any sounds you hear Take you deep into relaxation. Let any thoughts you might have take you even deeper. And let the sound of my voice take you even deeper. Just follow the sound of my voice. Toad's Adventure. By Kenneth Graham After many misadventures, poor mister Toad found himself in a dark dungeon and knew that all the grim darkness of a medieval fortress lay between him and the outer world of sunshine and well metal high roads where he had lately been so happy. He flung himself at full length on the floor, and shed bitter tears as he was so very upset at his situation. This is the end of everything, he said. At least it is the end of the career of Toad, which is the same thing. The popular and handsome Toad, the rich and hospitable Toad, the Toad so free and careless and debonair. Stupid animal that I was, he said, for stealing that motor car, and now I must languish in this dungeon till people who were proud to say they knew me have forgotten the very name of Toad. Oh, wise old badger, he said. Oh, clever, intelligent rat, and sensible mole. Toad began refusing his meals or intermediate light refreshments. Though the grim and ancient jailer, knowing that Toad's pockets were well-lined, frequently pointed out that many comforts and indeed luxuries could by arrangement be sent in at the price from the outside. Now the jailer had a daughter, a pleasant wench and good-hearted, who assisted her father in the lighter duties of his post. This kind-hearted girl, pitting the misery of Toad, said to her father one day, Father, I can't bear to see that poor beast so unhappy and getting so thin. You let me have the managing of him. You know how fond of animals I am. I'll make him eat from my hand and sit up and do all sorts of things. Her father replied that she could do what she liked with him. He was tired of Toad, and his sulks, and his airs, and his meanness. So that day she went on her errand of mercy, and knocked at the door of Toad's cell. "'Now cheer up, Toad,' she said coaxingly on entering, "'and sit up and dry your eyes, and be a sensible animal, and do try and eat a bit of dinner. See, I brought you some of mine, hot from the oven.' The smell of cabbage reached the nose of Toad as he lay prostrate in his misery on the floor and gave him the idea for a moment that perhaps life was not such a blank and desperate thing as he had imagined. But still, he wailed and kicked with his legs and refused to be comforted. So, the wise girl retired for the time, but, of course, a good deal of the smell of hot cabbage remained behind, as it will do, and Toad, between his sobs, sniffed and reflected and gradually began to think new and inspiring thoughts of chivalry and poetry and deeds still to be done of his friends who would surely rescue him. When the girl returned, some hours later, she carried a tray with a cup of fragrant tea steaming on it and a plate piled up with very hot buttered toast, cut thick, very brown on both sides, with the butter running through the holes in it in great golden drops, like honey from the honeycomb. The smell of that buttered toast simply would talk to Toad, and with no uncertain voice. Toad sat up on end once more dried his eyes, sipped his tea and munched his toast and soon began talking freely about himself and the house he lived in and his doings there and how important he was and what a lot his friends thought of him. The daughter encouraged him to go on. "'Tell me about Toad Hall,' she said. "'It sounds beautiful.' "'Toad Hall?' said the toad proudly. "Is an eligible self-contained gentleman's residence, very unique, dating in part from the 14th century, but replete with every modern convenience. Up-to-date sanitation, five minutes from church, post office, and golf links suitable for... Bless the animals, said the girl laughing. I don't want to take it, Tell me something real about it, but first wait till I fetch you some more tea and toast. She tripped away and presently returned with a fresh trayful, and Toad, pitching into the toast with avidity, his spirits, quite restored to their usual level, told her about the boat house and the fish pond and the old walled kitchen garden. Then She wanted to know about his animal friends and was very interested in all he had to tell her about them and how they lived and what they did to pass their time. Of course, she did not say she was fond of animals as pets because she had the sense to see that Toad would be extremely offended. When she said good night, having filled his water jug and shaking up his straw for him, Toad was very much the same sanguine, self-satisfied animal that he had been of old. He sang a little song or two, of the sort he used to sing at his dinner parties, curled himself up in the straw, and had an excellent night's rest. They had many interesting talks together after that, as the dreary days went on, and the jailer's daughter grew very sorry for Toad and thought it a great shame that poor little animal should be locked up in prison for what seemed to her a very trivial offence. One morning the girl was very thoughtful and answered at random, and did not seem to Toad to be paying proper attention to his witty sayings and sparkling comments. Toad, she said presently, just listen, please. I have an aunt who is a washerwoman. There, there, said Toad graciously and affably. Never mind. Think no more about it. I have several aunts who ought to be washerwomen. Do be quiet, Toad, said the girl. You talk too much. That is your chief fault. And I am trying to think and you hurt my head. As I said... I have an aunt who is a washerwoman. She does the washing for all the prisoners in this castle. We try to keep any paying business of that sort in the family, you understand. She takes out the washing on Monday morning and brings it on Friday evening. This is a Thursday. Now, this is what occurs to me. You are very rich. At least you are always telling me so and she is very poor. A few pounds wouldn't make any difference to you and it would mean a lot to her. Now I think if she were properly approached, squared, I believe is the word you animals use, you could come to some arrangement by which she would let you have her dress and bonnet and so on, and you could escape from the castle as the official washerwoman. You are very alike in many respects, particularly about the figure. We are not, said the toad in a huff. I have a very elegant figure for what I am. So has my aunt, replied the girl, for what she is. But have it your own way. I am trying to help you. Yes, yes, that's all right. "'Thank you very much, I need,' said the Toad hurriedly. "'But look here. "'You wouldn't surely have Mr. Toad of Toad Hall "'going about the country disguised as a washerwoman?' "'Then you can stop here as Toad,' replied the girl with much spirit. "'I suppose you want to go off in a coach and four. "'Honest Toad was always ready to admit himself in the wrong.' you are a good, kind, clever girl, he said, and I am indeed a proud and stupid Toad. I will give you some cash and do whatever you please. The next day, in return for his cash, Toad received a cotton print gown, an apron, a shawl, and a rusty black bonnet. Shaking with laughter, She proceeded to hook and eye him into the cotton-print gown, arranged the shawl with a professional fold, and tied the strings of the rusty bonnet under his chin. ''You are the very image of her,'' she giggled, ''only, I'm sure, you never looked half so respectable in all your life before. Now, goodbye, Toad, and good luck. Go straight down the way you came up. With a quaking heart, but as firm a footstep as he could command, Toad set forth cautiously on what seemed to be a most hair-brained and hazardous undertaking. But he was soon agreeably surprised to find how easy everything was made for him the washerwoman's squat figure in its familiar cotton print seemed a passport for every bar, door, and green gateway. Even when he hesitated, uncertain as to the right turning to take, he found himself helped out of his difficulty by the warder at the next gate, anxious to be off to his tea, summoning him to come along sharp and not keep him waiting there all night. However, he kept his temper, though with great difficulty, suited his retort to his company and his supposed character, and did his best not to overstep the limits of good taste. At last he heard the wicked gate in the great outer door click behind him, felt the fresh air of the outer world upon his anxious brow, and knew that he was free. Dizzy with the easy success of his daring exploit, he walked quickly towards the lights of the town, not knowing in the least what he should do next, only quite certain of one thing that he must remove himself as quickly as possible from the neighborhood where the lady he was forced to represent was so well-known and so popular a character. As he walked along, considering, his attention was caught by some red and green lights a little way off, to one side of the town, and the sound of puffing and snorting of engines and the banging of shunted trucks fell on his ear. Aha, he thought, this is a piece of luck. A railway station is the thing I want most in the whole world at this moment. And what's more, I needn't go through the town to get it. He made his way to the station accordingly, consulted a timetable, and found that a train bound more or less in the direction of his home was due to start in half an hour. More luck, said Toad, his spirits rising rapidly, and went off to the booking office to buy his ticket. He gave the name of the station that he knew to be nearest to the village of which Toad Hall was the principal feature, and mechanically put his fingers in search of the necessary money where his waistcoat pocket should have been. But there, the cotton gown which had nobly stood by him so far, and which he had basely forgotten, intervened and frustrated his efforts, while other travellers, forming up a line behind him, waited with impatience, making suggestions of more or less value, and comments of more or less stringency and point. Then to his horror, he recollected that he had left both coat and waistcoat behind him in his cell, and with them his pocketbook, money, keys, watch, matches, pencil case. In his misery, he made one desperate effort to carry the thing off, and with a return to his fine old manner, a blend of the squire and the college don, he said, Look here, I find I've left my purse behind. Just give me that ticket, will you? And I'll send you the money on tomorrow. I am well known in these parts. The clerk stared at him and the rusty black bonnet a moment, and then laughed. I should think you were pretty well known in these parts, he said, if you've tried this game on often. Here. Stand away from the window, please, madam, you are obstructing the other passengers." And old gentleman, who had been prodding him in the back for some moments here, thrust him away and, what was worse, addressed him as his good woman which angered Toad more than anything that had occurred that evening. Baffled and full of despair, he wandered blindly down the platform. Where the train was standing, and tears trickled down each side of his nose. It was hard, he thought, to be within sight of safety and almost home, and to be balked by the want of a few wretched shillings and by the petty-fogging mistrustfulness of paid officials. Very soon, his escape would be discovered, the hunt would be up, He would be caught, reviled, loaded with chains, dragged back again to prison and bread and water and straw. His guards and penalties would be doubled, and oh! What sarcastic remarks the girl would make! What was to be done? He was not swift of foot. His figure was unfortunately recognizable. Could he not squeeze under the seat of a carriage? "'Hello, mother,' said the engine driver. "'What's the trouble? You don't look particularly cheerful.' "'Oh, sir,' said Toad, crying afresh, "'I am a poor and happy washerwoman, "'and I've lost all my money and can't pay for a ticket.' and I must get home tonight somehow, and whatever I am to do, I don't know. Oh dear, oh dear. That's bad business indeed, said the engine driver reflectively. Lost all your money, and can't get home, and got some kids too waiting for you, I dare say? Any amount of them, sobbed Toad, and they'll be hungry and playing with matches, and upsetting Lamps, the little innocents, and quarreling and going on generally. Oh dear, oh dear. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do, said the good engine driver. You are a washerwoman to your trade, says you. Very well, that's that, and I am an engine driver, as you well may see, and there is no denying it's terribly dirty work. Uses up a, a power of shirts it does, till my missus is fair tired of washing them. If you wash a few shirts for me when you get home, and send them along, I'll give you a ride on my engine. It's against the company's regulations, but we are not so very particular in these out-of-the-way parts. The toad's misery turned into rupture as he eagerly scrambled up into the cab of the engine. Of course, he had never washed a shirt in his life, and couldn't if he tried, and anyhow, he wasn't going to begin. But he thought, when I get safely home to tow the hall and have money again and pockets to put it in, I will send the engine driver enough to pay for quite a quantity of washing, and that will be the same thing or better. The guard waved his welcome flag The engine driver whistled in cheerful response, and the train moved out of the station. As the speed increased, and the toad could see on either side of him real fields and trees and hedges and cows and horses all flying past him, and as he thought how every minute was bringing him nearer to Toad Hall and sympathetic friends, and money to chink in his pocket, and a soft bed to sleep in, and good things to eat, and praise and admiration at the recital of his adventures, and his surpassing cleverness, he began to skip up and down, and shout and sing snatches of song. They had covered many and many a mile, and Toad was already considering what he would have for supper as soon as he got home, when he noticed that the engine driver, with a puzzled expression on his face, was leaning over the side of the engine and listening hard. Then he saw him climb onto the coals and gaze out over the top of the train. Then he returned and said to Toad, ''It's very strange we are the last train running in this direction tonight, yet I could be sworn that I heard another following us. By this time, the moon was shining brightly, and the engine driver, steadying himself on the coal, could command a view of the line behind them for a long distance. Presently, he called out, I can't see it clearly now. It's an engine on our rails coming along at a great pace. It looks as if we were being pursued. The miserable toad, crouching in the cold dust, tried hard to think of something to do with this small want of success. They are gaining on us fast, cried the engine driver. And the engine is crowded with the queerest lot of people. Men like ancient warders waving halberds, policemen in their helmets waving transients, and shabbily dressed men in pot hats, obvious and unmistakable plain-clothes detectives, even at this distance, waving revolvers and walking sticks, all waving and all shouting the same thing. Stop! 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 Then Toad fell on his knees among the coals and, raising his glass paws in supplication, cried, Save me! Only save me, dear Mr. Engine Driver, and I will confess everything. I am not the simple washerwoman I seem to be. I have no children waiting for me, innocent or otherwise. I am a Toad, the well-known and popular Mr. Toad, a landed proprietor. I have just escaped by my great daring and cleverness from a loathsome dungeon in which my enemies had flung me, and if those fellows on that engine recapture me, it will be chains and bread and water and straw and misery once more for poor and happy innocent toad. The engine driver looked down upon him very sternly and said, Now, tell the truth. What were you put in jail for? It was nothing very much, said poor Toad. I only borrowed a motor car while the owners were at lunch. They had no need of it at the time. I didn't mean to steal it, really. But people, especially magistrates, take such a harsh view of thoughtless and high-spirited actions. The engine driver looked very grave and said... I fear you have been, indeed, a wicked toad, and by rights I ought to give you up to offended justice. But you are evidently in sore trouble and distress, so I will not desert you. I don't hold with motor cars for one thing, and I don't hold with being ordered about by policemen when I'm on my own engine for another. And the sight of an animal in tears always makes me feel soft-hearted, so cheer up, Toad. I'll do my best, and we may beat them yet." They piled on more coals, shoveling furiously. The furnace roar, the sparks flew, the engine lipped and swung, but still their pursuers slowly gained the engine driver with a sigh wiped his brow with a handful of cotton waste and said I'm afraid it's no good Toad you see they are running light and they have the better engine there is just one thing left for us to do and it's your only chance so attend very careful to what I tell you a short way ahead of us is a long tunnel and on the other side of that the line passes through a thick wood. Now, I will put on all the speed I can while we are running through the tunnel, but the other fellows will slow down a bit, naturally, for fear of an accident. When we are through, I will shut off steam and put on brakes as hard as I can, and the moment it's safe to do so, you must jump and hide in the wood before they get through the tunnel and see you. Then, I will go full speed ahead again, and they can chase me if they like, for as long as they like, and as far as they like. Now mind and be ready to jump when I tell you!" They piled on more coals, and the train shot into the tunnel, and the engine rushed and roared and rattled, till at last they shot out at the other end into fresh air and the peaceful moonlight, and saw the wood lying dark and helpful upon either side of the line. The driver shut off steam and put on brakes. The toad got down on the step, and as the train slowed down to almost a walking pace, he heard the driver call out, Now! Jump! Toad jumped, rolled down a short embankment, picked himself up unhurt, Scrambled into the wood and hid. Peeping out, he saw his train get up speed again and disappear at a great pace. Then, out of the tunnel burst the pursuing engine, roaring and whistling, her motley crew waving their various weapons and shouting, Stop! 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 When they were past, the toad had a hearty laugh for the first time since he was thrown into prison. But then, after so many weeks within walls, he found the wood strange and unfriendly, and inclined, he thought, to make fun of him. Once he met a fox who stopped, looked him up and down in a sarcastic sort of way, and said, ''Hello, washerwoman!'' half a pair of socks and a pillowcase short this week? Mind, it doesn't occur again. And swaggered off, sniggering. Toad looked about for a stone to throw at him, but could not succeed in finding one, which, vexed him more than anything, at last cold, hungry, and tired out, he sought the shelter of a hollow tree, where, with branches And dead leaves, he made himself as comfortable a bed as he could and slept soundly till the morning. And before we begin our story, let's go ahead and get comfortable and cozy and get ourselves ready for a great night's sleep. We're just going to relax and quiet all that noise that can sometimes happen in our head. We are taking time to get our bodies and minds Ready for sleep. Start getting comfortable in your bed if you haven't already. Get nice and cozy. Good. And now, just take a deep breath in. Let it out. And relax, stretching all the way out. Feeling that stretch all the way from the top of your head down to the very tips of your toes. Good. Feeling where your body meets your comfortable bed And go ahead and just take a few moments to feel how good your bed feels. And maybe you are already starting to get sleepy to feel your eyelids growing heavier and heavier. And it feels so good to just keep them closed and listen to the sound of my voice. good. Let any sounds you hear take you deep into relaxation. Let any thoughts you might have take you even deeper. And let the sound of my voice take you even deeper. Just follow the sound of my voice. TOAD'S ADVENTURE by Kenneth Graham After many misadventures, poor Mr. Toad found himself in a dark dungeon and knew that all the grim darkness of a medieval fortress lay between him and the outer world of sunshine and well-metal high roads where he had lately been so happy. He flung himself at full length on the floor and shed bitter tears, as he was so very upset at his situation. This is the end of everything, he said. At least it is the end of the career of Toad, which is the same thing. The popular and handsome Toad, the rich and hospitable Toad, the Toad so free and careless and debonair. ''Stupid animal that I was,'' he said, ''for stealing that motor-car and now I must languish in this dungeon, till people who were proud to say they knew me have forgotten the very name of Toad.'' ''Oh, wise old badger,'' he said, ''Oh, clever, intelligent rat and sensible mole.'' Toad began refusing his meals or intermediate light refreshments. Though the grim and ancient jailer, knowing that Toad's pockets were well lined, frequently pointed out that many comforts and indeed luxuries could by arrangement be sent in at the price from the outside. Now the jailer had a daughter, a pleasant wench and good-hearted, who assisted her father in the lighter duties of his post. This kind-hearted girl, the misery of Toad, said to her father one day, Father, I can't bear to see that poor beast so unhappy and getting so thin. You let me have the managing of him. You know how fond of animals I am. I'll make him eat from my hand and sit up and do all sorts of things. Her father replied that she could do what she liked with him. He was tired of Toad, and his sulks, and his airs, and his meanness. So that day she went on her errand of mercy, and knocked at the door of Toad's cell. Now cheer up, Toad, she said coaxingly on entering, and sit up and dry your eyes and be a sensible animal, and do try and eat a bit of dinner. See? I brought you some of mine, hot from the oven. The smell of cabbage reached the nose of Toad as he lay prostrate in his misery on the floor and gave him the idea for a moment that perhaps life was not such a blank and desperate thing as he had imagined. But still he wailed and kicked with his legs and refused to be comforted. So the wise girl retired for the time, but of course a good deal of the smell of hot cabbage remained behind as it will do, and Toad, between his sobs, sniffed and reflected and gradually began to think new and inspiring thoughts of chivalry and poetry and deeds still to be done of his friends who would surely rescue him. When the girl returned, some hours later, she carried a tray with a cup of fragrant tea steaming on it and a plate piled up with very hot buttered toast, cut thick, very brown on both sides, with the butter running through the holes in it in great golden drops, like honey from the honeycomb. The smell of that buttered toast simply would talk to Toad, and with no uncertain voice. Toad sat up on end once more dried his eyes, sipped his tea and munched his toast, and soon began talking freely about himself and the house he lived in and his doings there and how important he was and what a lot his friends thought of him. The daughter encouraged him to go on. "'Tell me about Toad Hall,' she said. "'It sounds beautiful.' "'Toad Hall?' said the toad proudly. "Is an eligible self-contained gentleman's residence, very unique, dating in part from the 14th century, but replete with every modern convenience. Up-to-date sanitation, five minutes from church, post office and golf links, suitable for... Bless the animals, said the girl laughing. I don't want to take it, Tell me something real about it, but first wait till I fetch you some more tea and toast. She tripped away and presently returned with a fresh trayful, and Toad, pitching into the toast with avidity, his spirits, quite restored to their usual level, told her about the boat house and the fish pond and the old walled kitchen garden. Then She wanted to know about his animal friends and was very interested in all he had to tell her about them and how they lived and what they did to pass their time. Of course, she did not say she was fond of animals as pets because she had the sense to see that Toad would be extremely offended. When she said good night, having filled his water jug and shaking up his straw for him, Toad was very much the same sanguine, self-satisfied animal that he had been of old. He sang a little song or two, of the sort he used to sing at his dinner parties, curled himself up in the straw, and had an excellent night's rest. They had many interesting talks together after that, as the dreary days went on, and the jailer's daughter grew very sorry for Toad and thought it a great shame that poor little animal should be locked up in prison for what seemed to her a very trivial offence. One morning the girl was very thoughtful and answered at random, and did not seem to Toad to be paying proper attention to his witty sayings and sparkling comments. Toad, she said presently, just listen, please. I have an aunt who is a washerwoman. There, there, said Toad graciously and affably. Never mind. Think no more about it. I have several aunts who ought to be washerwomen. Do be quiet, Toad, said the girl. You talk too much. That is your chief fault. And I am trying to think and you hurt my head. As I said... I have an aunt who is a washerwoman. She does the washing for all the prisoners in this castle. We try to keep any paying business of that sort in the family, you understand. She takes out the washing on Monday morning and brings it on Friday evening. This is a Thursday. Now this is what occurs to me. You are very rich. At least you are always telling me so and she is very poor. A few pounds wouldn't make any difference to you and it would mean a lot to her. Now I think if she were properly approached, squared, I believe is the word you animals use, you could come to some arrangement by which she would let you have her dress and bonnet and so on, and you could escape from the castle as the official washerwoman. You are very alike in many respects, particularly about the figure. We are not, said the toad in a huff. I have a very elegant figure for what I am. So has my aunt, replied the girl, for what she is. But have it your own way. I am trying to help you. Yes, yes, that's all right. Thank you very much, I need said the Toad hurriedly. But look here, you wouldn't surely have Mr. Toad of Toad Hall going about the country disguised as a washerwoman? Then you can stop here as Toad, replied the girl with much spirit. I suppose you want to go off in a coach and four. Honest Toad was always ready to admit himself in the wrong. You are a good, kind, clever girl, he said, and I am indeed a proud and stupid Toad. I will give you some cash and do whatever you please. The next day, in return for his cash, Toad received a cotton print gown, an apron, a shawl, and a rusty black bonnet. Shaking with laughter... She proceeded to hook and eye him into the cotton-print gown, arranged the shawl with a professional fold, and tied the strings of the rusty bonnet under his chin. ''You are the very image of her,'' she giggled, ''only, I'm sure, you never looked half so respectable in all your life before. Now, goodbye, Toad, and good luck. Go straight down the way you came up. With a quaking heart, but as firm a footstep as he could command, Toad set forth cautiously on what seemed to be a most hair-brained and hazardous undertaking. But he was soon agreeably surprised to find how easy everything was made for him. The washerwoman's squat figure in its familiar cotton print seemed a passport for every barred door and green gateway. Even when he hesitated, uncertain as to the right turning to take, he found himself helped out of his difficulty by the warder at the next gate, anxious to be off to his tea summoning him to come along sharp and not keep him waiting there all night. However, he kept his temper, though with great difficulty, suited his retort to his company and his supposed character, and did his best not to overstep the limits of good taste. At last he heard the wicked gate in the great outer door click behind him, felt the fresh air of the outer world upon his anxious brow, and knew that he was free. Dizzy with the easy success of his daring exploit, he walked quickly towards the lights of the town, not knowing in the least what he should do next, only quite certain of one thing, that he must remove himself as quickly as possible from the neighborhood where the lady he was forced to represent was so well-known and so popular a character. As he walked along, considering, his attention was caught by some red and green lights a little way off to one side of the town, and the sound of puffing and snorting of engines and the banging of shunted trucks fell on his ear. Aha! he thought. This is a piece of luck. A railway station is the thing I want most in the whole world at this moment. And what's more, I needn't go through the town to get it. He made his way to the station accordingly, consulted a timetable, and found that a train bound more or less in the direction of his home was due to start in half an hour. More luck, said Toad, his spirits rising rapidly, and went off to the booking office to buy his ticket. He gave the name of the station that he knew to be nearest to the village of which Toad Hall was the principal feature, and mechanically put his fingers in search of the necessary money where his waistcoat pocket should have been. But there, the cotton gown which had nobly stood by him so far, and which he had basely forgotten, intervened and frustrated his efforts, while other travellers, forming up a line behind him, waited with impatience, making suggestions of more or less value, and comments of more or less stringency and point. Then to his horror, he recollected that he had left both coat and waistcoat behind him in his cell, and with them his pocketbook, money, keys, watch, matches, pencil case. In his misery, he made one desperate effort to carry the thing off, and with a return to his fine old manner, a blend of the squire and the college don, he said, "'Look here. I find I've left my purse behind. "'Just give me that ticket, will you? "'And I'll send you the money on tomorrow. "'I am well known in these parts.' "'The clerk stared at him and the rusty black bonnet a moment, "'and then laughed. "'I should think you were pretty well known in these parts,' he said, "'if you've tried this game on often. "'Here.' Stand away from the window, please, madam, you are obstructing the other passengers." And old gentleman who had been prodding him in the back for some moments here, thrust him away and, what was worse, addressed him as his good woman which angered Toad more than anything that had occurred that evening. Baffled and full of despair, he wandered blindly down the platform what the train was standing, and tears trickled down each side of his nose. It was hard, he thought, to be within sight of safety and almost home, and to be balked by the want of a few wretched shillings and by the petty-fogging mistrustfulness of paid officials. Very soon his escape would be discovered, the hunt would be up, He would be caught, reviled, loaded with chains, dragged back again to prison and bread and water and straw. His guards and penalties would be doubled and, oh, what sarcastic remarks the girl would make! What was to be done? He was not swift of foot. His figure was unfortunately recognizable. Could he not squeeze under the seat of a carriage? "'Hello, mother,' said the engine driver. "'What's the trouble? You don't look particularly cheerful.' "'Oh, sir,' said Toad, crying afresh, "'I am a poor and happy washerwoman, "'and I've lost all my money and can't pay for a ticket.' and I must get home tonight somehow, and whatever I am to do, I don't know. Oh dear, oh dear. That's bad business indeed, said the engine driver reflectively. Lost all your money, and can't get home, and got some kids too waiting for you, I dare say? Any amount of them, sobbed Toad, and they'll be hungry and playing with matches, and upsetting Lamps, the little Innocents, and quarreling and going on generally. Oh dear, oh dear! Well, I'll tell you what I'll do, said the good engine driver. You are a washerwoman to your trade, says you. Very well, that's that, and I am an engine driver, as you well may see, and there is no denying it's terribly dirty work. Uses up a power of shirts, it does, till my missus is fair tired of washing them. If you wash a few shirts for me when you get home and send them along, I'll give you a ride on my engine. It's against the company's regulations, but we are not so very particular in these out-of-the-way parts. The toad's misery turned into rupture as he eagerly scrambled up into the cab of the engine. Of course, he had never washed a shirt in his life and couldn't if he tried, and anyhow, he wasn't going to begin, but he thought, when I get safely home to tow the hall and have money again and pockets to put it in, I will send the engine driver enough to pay for quite a quantity of washing and that will be the same thing or better. The guard waved his welcome flag The engine driver whistled in cheerful response, and the train moved out of the station. As the speed increased, and the toad could see on either side of him real fields and trees and hedges and cows and horses all flying past him, and as he thought how every minute was bringing him nearer to Toad Hall and sympathetic friends, and money to chink in his pocket, and a soft bed to sleep in, and good things to eat, and praise and admiration at the recital of his adventures, and his surpassing cleverness, he began to skip up and down, and shout and sing snatches of song. They had covered many and many a mile, and Toad was already considering what he would have for supper as soon as he got home, when he noticed that the engine driver, with a puzzled expression on his face, was leaning over the side of the engine and listening hard. Then he saw him climb onto the coals and gaze out over the top of the train. Then he returned and said to Toad, It's very strange we are the last train running in this direction tonight, yet... I could be sworn that I heard another following us. By this time the moon was shining brightly and the engine driver steadying himself on the coal, could command a view of the line behind them for a long distance. Presently he called out I can't see it clearly now. It's an engine on our rails coming along at a great pace. It looks as if we were being pursued. The miserable toad, crouching in the cold dust, tried hard to think of something to do with this small want of success. They are gaining on us fast, cried the engine driver. And the engine is crowded with the queerest lot of people. Men like ancient warders waving halberds, policemen in their helmets waving transients, and shabbily dressed men in pot hats, obvious and unmistakable plain clothes detectives, even at this distance, waving revolvers and walking sticks, all waving and all shouting the same thing: "Stop! Stop! Stop!" Then Toad fell on his knees among the coals and, raising his glass paws in supplication, cried, "Save me!" Only save me, dear Mr. Engine Driver, and I will confess everything. I am not the simple washerwoman I seem to be. I have no children waiting for me, innocent or otherwise. I am a Toad, the well-known and popular Mr. Toad, a landed proprietor. I have just escaped by my great daring and cleverness, from a loathsome dungeon in which my enemies had flung me. And if those fellows on that engine recapture me, it will be chains and bread and water and straw and misery once more for poor and happy innocent toad." The engine-driver looked down upon him very sternly and said, "'Now, tell the truth. What were you put in jail for?' It was nothing very much, said poor Toad. I only borrowed a motor car while the owners were at lunch. They had no need of it at the time. I didn't mean to steal it, really. But people, especially magistrates, take such a harsh view of thoughtless and high-spirited actions. The engine driver looked very grave and said... I fear you have been, indeed, a wicked toad, and by rights I ought to give you up to offended justice. But you are evidently in sore trouble and distress, so I will not desert you. I don't hold with motor cars for one thing, and I don't hold with being ordered about by policemen when I'm on my own engine for another. And the sight of an animal in tears always makes me feel soft-hearted, so cheer up, Toad. I'll do my best, and we may beat them yet." They piled on more coals, shoveling furiously. The furnace roared. roar, the sparks flew, the engine lipped and swung, but still their pursuers slowly gained. The engine driver, with a sigh, wiped his brow with a handful of cotton waste and said, I'm afraid it's no good, Toad. You see, they are running light and they have the better engine. There is just one thing left for us to do and it's your only chance, so attend very careful to what I tell you. A short way ahead of us is a long tunnel and on the other side of that the line passes through a thick wood. Now, I will put on all the speed I can while we are running through the tunnel, but the other fellows will slow down a bit, naturally, for fear of an accident. When we are through, I will shut off steam and put on brakes as hard as I can, and the moment it's safe to do so, you must jump and hide in the wood before they get through the tunnel and see you. Then, I will go full speed ahead again, and they can chase me if they like, for as long as they like, and as far as they like. Now mind and be ready to jump when I tell you!" They piled on more coals, and the train shot into the tunnel, and the engine rushed and roared and rattled, till at last they shot out at the other end into fresh air and the peaceful moonlight and saw the wood lying dark and helpful upon either side of the line. The driver shut off steam and put on brakes. The toad got down on the step, and as the train slowed down to almost a walking pace, he heard the driver call out, Now! Jump! Toad jumped, rolled down a short embankment, picked himself up unhurt, Scrambled into the wood and hid. Peeping out, he saw his train get up speed again and disappear at a great pace. Then, out of the tunnel burst the pursuing engine, roaring and whistling, her motley crew waving their various weapons and shouting, Stop! 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 When they were past, the toad had a hearty laugh for the first time since he was thrown into prison. But then, after so many weeks within walls, he found the wood strange and unfriendly, and inclined, he thought, to make fun of him. Once he met a fox who stopped, looked him up and down in a sarcastic sort of way, and said. "'Hello, washerwoman! "'Half a pair of socks and a pillowcase short this week? "'Mind, it doesn't occur again!' "'And swaggered off, sniggering. "'Toad looked about for a stone to throw at him "'but could not succeed in finding one, "'which vexed him more than anything. "'At last, cold, hungry, and tired out, He sought the shelter of a hollow tree, where, with branches and dead leaves, he made himself as comfortable a bed as he could, and slept soundly till the morning.